0: Design designed to save us from ourselves, God. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus is, God. And as Boomer comes up, God, we want to hear from you. But Holy Spirit, we know that's your job, to lead us into all truth. And so would you open the eyes of our hearts, give Boomer the words to say, God. And, uh, yeah, speak through him. Listen through us in Jesus' name. Hey, we forgot we had to do Boomer's theme song. You go ahead and sit down. It goes like this. Come on in, boom, 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 boom. Come on in, boomy, boomy, boom, boom, boom. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Good morning, Rimrock. How are you today? I am so glad to be here with you guys. Um, uh, it was fun. Uh, today's family worship day, which means... We have the privilege of having some of our kids in with us. Uh, If you're a kid out here today, not a kid at heart, I don't want to see old people's hands. Kids in here today, raise your hand way up high, be proud. Come on, kids. Excellent. Dude, rowdy group right there, that's cool. All right, Denmans, keep them in line. Okay, very good. I'm so glad you guys are with us today. Um, we have some kids' bulletins in the back. If you miss those coming in, there's um, fill-ins and there's some things, uh, some fun things to do, so helps you not fall asleep, and uh, that'll be really good, because I want you to listen. God has something to say to you today as well. Um, Guys, we're in this uh, series on uh, uh, Advent, right? And so we've been looking at joy and peace and love, and uh, today uh, we're looking at hope, and I'm so excited about that, um, because that hope is something that we anticipate, we look forward to, because it's coming, this great gift is coming, This great gift is coming. The inevitable conclusion to this chapter of history, the final crescendo of God's grand plan, the second coming of Christ. Man, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And so this whole series is just reminding us, don't forget what's coming. Anticipate, look forward to. Man, it's good. It's good to remember. All right, just a quick survey, and you guys know when I get up here, just, just play my games, okay, just, just a little bit. I've been here two services now, I stand up while you get to sit, so I mean, just, just play my games, okay? But here's the question for you this morning, is um, how many of you um, are the holidays, right? How many of you are the holidays relaxing, refreshing, like it's just a time to kind of, ah, like that, okay? How many of you, the, the holidays are like that? Raise your hands. Okay, good. Okay, good, good, good. All right, put your hands down. All right, now, how many of you, you would say it's just the opposite, the holidays, they're hectic, they're busy, and when you get to the end of the year, you're just like, I'm so glad that's over, and I have 11 months before it all gears up again. How many of you are like that? Okay, very good. Now, listen, if you raised your hand second, make sure that you talk to somebody who raised their hand first, find out what their secret is, but I'm guessing it's the word no. That's why I'm just guessing. I don't know, but I'm guessing it's the word no. So, um, but I want to, uh, wait, like, we look forward to it. Ministry, I've been in ministry for a little while now, and ministry has a rhythm to it. It has seasons where we're really busy, and then there are seasons when we're less busy. And for me, this um, this Thanksgiving to Christmas to the end of the year, for me, is... it. It's like I'm coasting. It's really cool. Like I get to like I get to enjoy the, the holidays. We're pretty good at saying no. So it's a lot of time playing games at home or hanging out or being together. But it's just, it's that. And then January comes and it's hair on fire because we're getting ready for summer, right? So I'm thinking about summer stuff while I'm, you know, shoveling the driveway, right? But for me, I look forward to, when we get into that late October, early November, man, I am looking forward to Thanksgiving, right? I'm looking forward to, right? And just a time to catch my breath. And I wanna, today, today, we're gonna talk about hope. And really what I, what I, what I'm, hoping for is that together we can pick our eyes up and look ahead with hope to what God has in store for us. I'm so excited about that for us collectively this morning. Would you agree that even in the midst of or even in the, the knowing in the back of our heads that there's something coming that life tends to get, uh, to become a distraction for us. Life, the details of life tend to become a distraction. The hardness of life sometimes can be a distraction for us. You know, relationships are hard. And sometimes there's so much tension in relationships and they get strained and sometimes they break and those broken relationships, man, causes... A, a, a disheartenedness. Life is hard. Some of us are dealing with health that's just eroding. And maybe it's not our health, but maybe it's somebody that we're close to, somebody that we care deeply about, somebody that we know. And, and health makes life, failing health makes life feel heavy. Doesn't it? For some of us, there are plans that we've had that change. There are dreams that we've held that are dying. Sometimes it's just that daily living. It gets heavy. And we tend to let our eyes drift to the here, the now, the trouble all around us. My hope is today, my desire is today. that God would just that God would just take your chin and raise your eyes up to look forward to what's to come. So I hope you'll go on the journey with me. What is it that in the midst of those the, the heaviness of life. What is it that sustains us? What is it that helps us to get up and to keep moving forward? Hebrews chapter nine, verse nine. Or to Hebrews chapter six, verse nineteen says this: We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, I don't. I'm not a boat guy. I'm not really a water guy. It doesn't mean that if you invited me to come hang out on your boat for an afternoon, I, I would say yes. It's just not my thing. Like I'm not. I don't. I'm just not gonna own a boat. But it doesn't mean that I don't know what an anchor is, right? Now, if I was teaching kids downstairs, I would put a picture of an anchor up there, especially if I was teaching preschool kids, because. You know, between you and me, they don't really know it very much. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, I'm, what? I, I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm just saying life experience is limited for preschoolers. That's all I'm saying. I love them. Unconditional love and hugs it is a good thing. This would be a great spot to say, hey, we are looking for our next uh, preschool director. Did I say, I didn't mean to do that and ask Levi, I did not do that first service, but I'm just saying, There's a just, there's a, God just provides this great time to say unconditional love and hugs. I'm just saying, not a bad perk. Okay, so anyway, moving on. Here it is, preschool, I, I would put a visual of an anchor, but you guys don't need that. You know that there are some anchors that are kind of wimpy and they're just round and they're heavy and you drop them. I don't really know what the purpose of those are. But a real anchor, right, has got the two pointy ends and it's like serious and it's on a chain. You know what I'm talking about? What's the point of an anchor? You drop it so that it hooks on to something that isn't going to move. You only drop an anchor if you don't want to drift. Correct? Hebrews, our hope is an anchor for the soul because guess what? We have a tendency to drift in life. Life is hard. It can suck us out into deep water. It can move us around places that we don't want to go, but hope is an anchor. In the midst of studying for this um, message. Not only did I discover lots that the Bible has to say about hope, and I'm going to share that with you, but also some, some great men who have walked with the Lord for a long time and what they have to say about hope from their perspective of following. And here's a quote by um, R.C. Sproul. Some of you guys will recognize his name. It says, he says, hope is It's called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish, a I wish such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Don't miss that. Look at what he says. Hope is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Those promises become a rock that is deep and steady and firm and secure and it's not moving. And hope anchors us to it. Biblical hope is not optimism. Optimism says, well, I see this sketchy situation in front of me, but I, I hope or I trust that it's all going to kind of come together and then it's going to be okay. I mean, listen, positive thinking, it's all good, but it's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is grounded in a person and that person is the God, the Trinity, Father, Son, And Holy Spirit, biblical hope is grounded in a person. Now listen, I don't boat. But I know enough that if I don't want my boat to move, I'm going to drop the anchor and try to hook something solid at the bottom. Right? I'm not going to throw my anchor into the boat next to me. Here, would you help? Chuck on my anchor. And then we can just both float away. And I certainly don't take the anchor and hand it to somebody who's on my boat. That is not going to be helpful. Biblical hope is grounded in the person of God. Look at what the psalmist writes in Psalm 130, starting in verse 5. He says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my what? My what? My hope. I learned this week that the word hope there, the Hebrew word for hope, is if you were to take a cord, a, a rope, and you were to pull it tight, and there's tension on the rope and it's and it's straining and there's tension and you're anticipating an action, a result. You're anticipating that something is going to happen. There's tension. That's hope. The waiting with anticipation. If you want to live that anticipation, if you want a, an object lesson for that anticipation, go get a balloon and start blowing. And just, just keep blowing. I mean, you'll know when it's over. It, right? Like, oh. Huh. Don't you really want to Stop. Hope Look at what he says. And in his what do I hope? In His word. in His word, I hope. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel put your, what? Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of our sins. We wait with anticipation. We know that an action is coming and we're waiting. One of the guys that I've been learning a ton from lately is a guy named Tim Mackey. Um, he is part of a ministry called um, The Bible Project. If you've never heard of that, try thebibleproject.com. Very, very cool. All of their resources are free, and their goal is to help people understand the Bible, uh, and they use some very, very creative ways to do that. It is just, it's really, really fun. They also have a really cool podcast to listen to, but um, they've done a A series of videos on the Advent, and one of those is about hope, and so I watched it. It was really, really good. But here's one of the things that Tim Mackey says in that video on hope. He says, true faith—nope, sorry, wrong one. Let me look at my other page. He says, it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting nothing, but God's character. Biblical hope looks at that kind of mess that's in front of us and we don't cross our fingers and say, well, I just believe it's all going to work out for the best. No. We look at that and we say, based on what God has done in the past, I believe God is going to work in the future. Our hope comes our hope for the future comes by looking at the past. We see an example of this from the prophet Hosea. And when Hosea wrote, he was the, his country was in the midst of oppression from an evil empire. And here's what Hosea writes. He says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her, her vineyards, and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at a time when she came out of the land of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that and I go, I have no idea what he's even talking about. But let me tell you what he's talking about. He is using some great imagery and a beautiful poetic kind of uh, way of writing in order to communicate to the people of Israel that hope's coming, that there is hope. This word "Acor" that you see, the Valley of Acor, it was an actual place where Israel had stayed for a while, and trouble happened there. And so, the word "Acor" means trouble. They actually named the place the Valley of Trouble. Now, I don't listen. The property values must have plummeted. Right? Like, that's not the neighborhood sign that you want. Like, honey, I found this great lot. Dear, I don't want to live in the Valley of Trouble. No, it'll be great. Trust me. You can't ever lose on property. It's the Valley of Trouble, folks. But Hosea, when he writes, he goes back in their history, and he says that God will make the Valley of Acor a door to hope. In the midst of your trouble, God will turn it into a pathway to hope. And then Hosea gives an example. He says, just like God showed up unexpectedly to deliver Israel when she was a slave in Egypt, God will show up again. Do you realize the people of Israel had prayed for over 400 years to be delivered from slaves in Egypt? 400 years, that's a lot of praying. And then God, out of the blue, shows up and delivers them. And he shows himself in some very impressive and powerful ways. And Hosea says, there is reason to hope even in our present valley of trouble, because God will show up. His evidence, he's done it in the past. He's done it in the past. When we, uh, when Blake was three, we lived in Arizona, and um, the place where we lived, there were really only about two kinds of trees. There were sycamore trees that were Tall, really tall and all the branches were way up high or there were these kind of mesquite trees which are kind of scrubby and um, and I don't think I ever saw one that was growing straight like they all they were all twisted and bent and a lot of times the the trunk would grow at an angle out of the out of the ground and then the branches were pretty low. So um, one of the things that Blake enjoyed doing when we would go to this little they called it a green belt, which was really just code for a park with nothing fun in it, really. I mean, if, so in the middle of the city, that's what we got, was a, a park with nothing fun in it. But they said, oh, a green belt. Mm. Um, so there it was. Anyway, we would go to the green belt that was across from our house, and Blake would, would climb this tree that had this really cool trunk at an angle out of the ground. So he'd climb up. Well, one day I was with him, and he was on this branch that was about, about this tall. Now, I'm not a tall guy, so that's not a very tall tree. And, and Blake was on this branch, and I'm thinking, this is a park with nothing fun in it. It must be my job to create something fun. So I said to Blake, I'm standing right here, I said, Blake, jump, I'll catch you. No, 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 no. just jump, and I'll catch you. Now, listen, this story can end one of two ways, <laughs> right? It can, it can end with, um, he jumped and I didn't, or he jumped and I did. It's really a toss-up for you guys as to which way the story's going to go. There's a little bit of what, what, what tension in the room. He's there, and he kind of squats down on the branch and, and he's thinking about it, but he's not convinced. And so he kind of scooches his feet a little closer, like he's getting ready. And he scooches a little, and I'm going, trust me, I'll catch you. Like I showed him my muscles, and he wasn't convinced. And he scooches a little closer, and the branch wasn't that big, there he went, his eyes got really big, and he fell, and I caught him, boom, right, like, whoo, dad moment, that was cool, right, I caught him, what was the first thing he said, any guesses, I want to do it again, I put him down. He went around. He climbed up the, the trunk. He got to the, the same branch. He didn't hesitate as long. Jumped. I caught him. I put him down. He did it again. We found something fun in the green belt. It was great. Now let me ask you guys what changed from the first time to the second time and the fifth time and the twentieth time. What changed? A history of dad doing what he said he would do. That's what changed. His perspective changed. Nothing changed with me, but his perspective changed, didn't it? And now all of a sudden, I didn't jump all day. And guess what? I was reading the first chapter in Max Lucado's book called Unshakable Hope. And in there, in that chapter, he references a Bible scholar as he was reading through God's Word, began to count how many promises God makes to people all through um, his Word, all through the Bible. Now, I, I admit to you, this is... This is an, uh, it, it's, it's, it's unsubstantiated. I did not, I did not double check. I'm just letting you know. But I, I'm going to choose to trust. I don't know, maybe Max Lucado did too. I, I don't, maybe he just trusted. So anyway, you know, just take the number for what it's worth, but it'll make my point. So here we go, ready? Here it is, the number of promises God makes in the Bible, 7,487 promises that God makes to people in the Bible. 7,487. Now, let me ask you a question. What makes that powerful? What makes it Now, okay, listen. New Year's resolution stuff. It's like right around the corner. Some of you guys are already making lists, right? I don't mess with that anymore. Listen to me. Listen. No, no, no. Listen. If you you were going to go home and make a resolution and say, this year, in 2020, I'm going to make 7,487 promises. Listen, could you do it? Could you make... 7,487 promises this year. Could you? Yeah, no, no, no. Could you make that many promises? Don't get ahead of me. Yeah, see, some of you guys overthink, which is why I talk to kids. They're like, yeah, I could do it. Right, because yes is the right answer. You could make that many promises. Now, okay, let's just say, not in 2020. Let's say I gave you 2,000 years. Could you, over the course of 2,000 years, make 7,487 promises? Yeah, yes. What makes that powerful? Listen, it is not the number. God, God's word is binding. He keeps every one of them. It is impossible for God to lie. So when God says, I will do this, he does it. That's what makes it powerful. Francis Chan says, true faith means holding nothing back. It means putting every hope in God's fidelity to his promises. I had to look it up, but fidelity means faithfulness. It is the faithfulness for God to keep his promise, that's what we anchor our hope to. It is that God doesn't Change. Now, I don't have time this morning to go through all of the promises that God has made through the, through the story of the Bible. But I'll, I'll, let me highlight a few of them for you. Noah put his hope in God's instruction. Do you realize that it took Noah over a hundred years to build the ark? Now listen, I'm, I'm building a house right now. And by building a house, I mean I'm paying somebody else to build a house right now. And we've been doing this for months, and I am so ready to be done. A hundred years, folks. What, what really makes it impressive is that it had never rained. So God comes to Noah and says, uh, here's the thing. It's going to rain. Like, that would have been enough. Okay. So you need to build a boat. Okay. And it's going to take you over 100 years. Okay. And God kept his promise. And he saved Noah and his family in the ark. Abraham put his hope in God's promise. God said to Abraham, I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to leave your family. I want you your extended family. I want you to leave your your culture. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave all of the roots that you have and I want you to go to a place that I haven't shown you yet. And Abraham did. And God kept his promise and made him a nation that lived in a land. And that nation became a blessing to the whole world. Again, Abraham put his hope in God's character when God said, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, and, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice. Abraham put his hope in God's character and God showed up And he provided a ram at just the right moment. Israel, the nation of Israel, put their hope in God's power and they crossed the Red Sea and they didn't get their feet muddy. Joshua put his hope in God's might and they marched around and around and around Jericho and her fortified walls and God rocked that city. Mary put her hope in God's word when she responded to the angel, let it be according to your word. And God sent his son to the world. And that son put his hope in a father's plan when in the garden he said, not my will but yours be done. And God raised him from the dead and he glorified him. God's resume is impressive. He's revealed it to us. And we look forward with hope by looking backward at what God has already done. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. The same God that we read about in our Bibles is the same God that is living and active and working today. And we anchor our hope to that God Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God himself has chosen to live inside this clay vessel and to live his life through us. That's a source of hope. And I think our key verse for today, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to produce in you and will produce in you joy and peace as we trust him and there is hope that overflows in our life. But hope is a choice, guys. Hope is a choice. We choose to move forward trusting only the character of God who has proven himself over and over and over and over again. Do circumstances in life look bleak sometimes? Yes. Life gets heavy. Yes. But that doesn't come as a surprise to us, not only because we've lived it, but because Jesus anticipated it and he said it. He says to his disciples, before he left them, he says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, have hope. I have overcome The world, there's a promise. I have overcome the world. How can we choose hope? Just quickly, I'm going to suggest three things you probably can add to the list. You might have better ones, and that's okay. But here are three that I'm going to suggest to you. How can we choose to have hope? Here's the first one. Know God's promises by reading his word. How can we trust and believe the promises that God has made if we don't know them? And where are they revealed? In his word. If you're not familiar with your Bible, you can go Google it, Promises of God. You'll come up with like a bajillion different uh, lists of promises from God's Word. Please read them in context. But listen, we have to know those promises if we're going to anchor to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, here's what Paul says. I love this verse. I love this verse. I. I don't remember ever having read this before. Man, this, this, this just jumped at me this week. Listen to this. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the let it be, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. No matter how many promises God makes, they are yes in Christ. There's a promise. That's an anchor that'll hold. It's an anchor that'll hold. Here's the second suggestion. How can we choose hope? Keep your eyes on the one who never changes. We already read out of Hebrews, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. But Psalm sixteen eight says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Life is messy. Some of y'all have been slapped upside the head by life and you feel wobbly on your feet and you look around and you wonder what the heck is going on. We have got to pick our eyes up and keep them fixed on the one who will not change because life is fluid. We do not know what is coming. Today, this afternoon, tomorrow, next week, this coming year we don't know what's coming we don't know what's coming but we keep our eyes focused on the one who doesn't change and here's the last suggestion hold on hold on now arguably you could have put that one first because sometimes that's all we can do hold on Romans chapter 5, I want to back up and read in context what I read earlier. Romans chapter 5, now starting in verse 3, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. In this world you will have trouble. But Paul says, in that trouble, you can rejoice. How can he say that? Here's how. Because we know that that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope will not disappoint us. The rock will hold God will keep his promises know God's promises keep your eyes on the one who never changes and hold on there's hope that's coming hope for today and a hope in the future no matter what trouble we're facing we can choose hope hope Let me pray for you today. God, thank you for today. Thank you for our time together. But thank you, God, for the record, your resume of coming through. That when you speak, you you do it. When you promise, you keep it. God, today there are people who just, they have a hard time seeing past their hurt, their disappointment, their ache, their fear. God, they have a hard time seeing your track record. God, today, would you just clear their vision and help them to see you clearly? God, would you draw their hearts to action, that they would read your word, they would search, and they would look, and they would find the times that you have proven yourself faithful over and over and over again? Father, in all of us, would you pick our heads up? And help us to focus on you. You do not change. God, would you help our anchor of hope to be firmly attached to who you are. We love you. We trust you. We place our hope in you today. We choose hope.